I was interviewed recently by Authority Magazine on how to grow beyond your comfort zone. And I was delighted to go in depth and unpack what I consider to be an irksome buzz phrase that I see every day on social media. The interview was published on Medium on January 1st, 2023, and I've linked to it in the episode notes. But I thought I'd go ahead and narrate it to my podcast here as well for those who prefer auditory consumption. Here it is. Lucia Cantor St. Amour of Pactum Factum on how to grow beyond your comfort zone to grow both personally and professionally. An interview with Maria Angelova. It feels most comfortable to stick with what we are familiar, but anyone who has achieved great success will tell you that true growth comes from pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. What are some ways that influential people have pushed themselves out of their comfort zone to grow both personally and professionally? As a part of this series, I had the pleasure of interviewing Lucia Cantor St. Amour. Lucia Cantor St. Amour is an attorney of 25 years, international mediator and negotiation coach, special needs parent, and best-selling author of For the Forces of Good, The Superpower of Everyday Negotiation. Lucia has lost count of times she has either entered a situation outside her comfort zone or was forced out of comfort. As a VP of UN Women USA, executive director of a nonprofit organization, law professor, and recovering CEO, she is an example and an advocate of both getting uncomfortable and facilitating more comfort for those who have lived too long without it. Thank you so much for doing this with us. Before we start, our readers would love to get to know you a bit better. Can you tell us a bit about your childhood backstory? Answer. I was the physically awkward kid with the eye patch due to a lazy eye, speeding away from the bullies on my secondhand bicycle growing up in my small Midwestern town. I went from a place with no commerce or public transit to UC Berkeley for college. Talk about uncomfortable. It was a total culture shock, and I flunked one of my classes first semester. Law school was never the plan for me either. I didn't think I was smart enough or good enough, but due to some sparkling mentorship out of college, I mustered the courage to apply. I nearly dropped out my first year because it was too hard and there were too many meanies, but a professor convinced me to stay. It's pretty incredible what can happen when you keep showing up each day, but I was certainly never comfortable in law school. I continued to be uncomfortable as an attorney. One of my early experiences was a meeting with the Longshoremen's Union with a senior partner. I was the only woman in the room among a bunch of tough guys with no necks. One of them wondered aloud, who invited the president of the Lollipop Guild? And they all got a good chuckle out of it. Then he pointed to a chair in the corner and told me to sit there. It was so huge for my petite frame. My feet didn't quite touch the floor and it seemed to swallow me. I looked and felt ridiculous. Having been told I was invisible and to stay that way, I leveraged the tools I did have at my disposal and powerful ones at that, listening and observing. Those very tools led me to noticing something that day that no one else in the room noticed 
because they were too busy talking, which utterly transformed the course of the negotiation. Fast forward more than two decades, and I became the president and CEO of a very male-dominated sports organization following 94 years of men in that position. By that time, I had earned quite an illustrious and international career, most of it uncomfortable. I often found myself the only woman in the room. That position ended up being a highly organized and prolonged group bullying campaign that actually put me in danger and that I just couldn't seem to turn around because I was outnumbered by a highly motivated group. It really gave me pause. 25 years later, and I'm still experiencing this nonsense, and in a place like this, San Francisco, not cool. We are not meant to live out of our comfort zone. We're only meant to visit. Like everything else, it's a balance. Too much discomfort and threat is harmful. And what we call resilience is often masked trauma. So today I'm hoping we can unpack this popular buzz phrase and examine that idea of ratio of comfort to discomfort, which requires periodic recalibration. I understand it's easier to live in extremes and to tout sound bites on social media to get out of your comfort zone, but be thoughtful and strategic about it. Question. Can you please give us your favorite life lesson quote? Can you share how that was relevant to you in your life? Answer. You can't win if you don't play. Participate. If you wait until you think conditions or your skills are flawless, you are missing out on everyday opportunities for engagement, bonding, and the glory of failing. We learn more by doing things badly than performing them perfectly the first time. Play the game. I didn't become a single-digit index golfer, and I started learning golf at age 46, by spending years at the driving range before going out to play the golf course. You have to play the course and learn how to deal with real situations. I practiced enough to know I could make consistent impact with the ball, and I trudged out there, again, usually the only woman in the foursome, and hit a ton of bad shots in front of other people before I started consistently hitting good ones. My score after my first full round of golf in 2017 was 146. I got that down to a low of 73 in 2021 because I kept showing up to play. You never know what might happen. I ended up an ambassador for PGA Magazine on an expense-paid five-day golf trip in Hawaii. Question. Is there a particular book, podcast, or film that made a significant impact on you? Can you share a story or explain why it resonated with you so much? Answer. The Count of Monte Cristo by Alexandre Dumas. I have a gorgeous two-volume gilded and illustrated edition of it. I first read it in high school, and I still consider it the greatest book I've ever read, with Amor Towles' A Gentleman from Moscow, A Close Second, which is very Count of Monte Cristo in its own right. Although the Dumas story doesn't pass the Bechdel-Wallace test in terms of featuring women's voices, I give it a pass because I basically consider it an early superhero character and story. It features classic themes, love, friendship, betrayal, grief, revenge, justice, altered identity, and gobs of discomfort. 
It's got mystery and sword fighting and treasure hunting and retribution. The protagonist, Edmond Dantes, learns a bunch of languages, skills, and strategies while imprisoned in the Chateau d'If that he then carefully and oh so patiently deploys over a course of years. And it features possibly the most suspenseful and thrilling escape scene ever. The original text doesn't offer a perfect ending either. The movie versions always have Edmund and Mercedes reunite in the end and make Mercedes's son Edmund's son. That is not the case in the book, where Edmund, once he has exacted his personal justice, has to then figure out how to go on with his life. Question. Let's now shift to the main part of our discussion. Let's start with a basic definition so that all of us are on the same page. What does getting outside of your comfort zone mean? Answer. It means being a guest in a foreign land. You don't speak the language very well. You don't understand the customs. You don't naturally fit in. So you've got to figure it out. Demonstrate humility and vulnerability, acquire new practical skills, form relationships, and create a place for yourself that allows an experience from a whole new perspective. Question. Can you help articulate a few reasons why it is important to get out of your comfort zone? Answer. One, because it's a great big world out there. Social media can fool us into thinking that it's smaller than it is. The convenience of apps and chat GPT answering questions for us. Why think any further if an app has provided the answer? And video conferencing can trick you into thinking you've expanded yourself and had a learning moment. But if you aren't physically getting up from the office chair, you're kidding yourself and risk acquiring a NIMBY attitude. Two, because life is a multi-sensory experience. We can't just engage our eyes and mind with audio and visual digital content. We need new touches, new smells, new sensations in our body from performing the uncomfortable plank twists. That's how you get the six-pack abs, not by sitting on the sofa and watching the workout video. Three, because the long-standing and prevalent metaphor of the mind as a computer is faulty. The brain is a living organism that has evolved for millennia and mostly outdoors. Gaining other perspectives makes you a full, complete human being, and it's quite hard to do it unless you are willing to truly engage in vivid and visceral experiences that tap into new neural pathways and your cellular memory. Question. Is it possible to grow without leaving your comfort zone? Can you explain what you mean? Answer. Remember when I was talking about ratio? Do kids flourish when they are constantly in a state of fear or conditions of peril? Do they grow when they are undernourished? Do they thrive when they are unloved, lack enough sleep or warm clothes in the winter? No. To blossom into healthy and stable adults, they need all those components consistently. You might say hardship makes kids resilient, but I'm here to say again, I strive to only repeat things that are important, that at some point it becomes trauma. Now, having said all that, they also need to go back to school the next day after peeing their pants in front of the entire social studies class. Happened to me 
in middle school. To literally get back on the horse after they've fallen happened to my special needs son in horse therapy. He didn't want to. I insisted. And to be willing to do something badly for a while before you start to enjoy some progress. Reference my earlier golf story. I've met too many women who, like me, have been living their careers outside of any semblance of comfort. People who just keep trying harder and harder for others who are being told, go sit in that chair in the corner and be invisible, and that they don't belong, proving ourselves over and over and over again. There's a limit, and many of us exceeded it years, decades ago. I will say it again. We are not meant to live there. You don't perform plank twists for six hours a day. Maybe it's time for some of those people to come home to themselves and experience some comfort. Inversely, I know for a fact, because this has been researched, that we have a whole demographic of people who insist that they have worked hard to get where they are, but have also started with huge advantages see statistics on tall men, and particularly those six feet and taller, and who have been legacy players in a structure built for them, and thus have been pretty comfortable while they have worked hard. For example, I thought for two decades that something is wrong with me, that I always need a cardigan or shawl in an office. I am always cold. Is my body fat too low? Is something wrong with my circulation? No. I learned just in 2022 that office thermostats are still set to a 1960s model to accommodate the resting metabolic rate of a 165-pound 40-year-old man. There's nothing wrong with me. The office was built to make them comfortable, not me. Question. Can you share some anecdotes from your personal experience? Can you share a story about a time when you stepped out of your comfort zone and how it helped you grow? How does it feel to take those first difficult steps? Answer. When my firstborn son was 15 months, he still wasn't crawling or vocalizing. We started down a thorny path of early intervention that grew to a team of 14 professionals once he was officially diagnosed with a profound disability at age two. In the meantime, I had my second baby on my hip. I could no longer work at the type of demanding law job that I had. I was forced into an unfamiliar, uncomfortable, and high-stakes world of disability and therapies to help my son, and inventing some new way to engage in my profession. Those early intervention years were brutal, and I reached a dangerous state of insomnia that culminated in hypnagogic hallucinations. Altogether now, we are not meant to live outside our comfort zone. We're only meant to visit. The life and career I had envisioned for myself evaporated. Did I adapt? Sure. In fact, I flourished including building my own nonprofit organization for other families raising kids with disabilities. To this day, I reconcile myself to the fact that my firstborn son will never be able to live an independent life. He will always need supervision. And the perspective I've gained raising such a son is absolutely stunning. I take nothing for granted and celebrate the smallest of victories. Did he just use a new word? 
a boy who, I was told, may never speak at all. Oh, how that fills me with joy. Also, the ways I had to get creative with my career took me international and put me somewhat in control. It also made me notice needs and voids from meeting those needs for others and to do something about it. Raising my son has expanded my worldview and my whole multi-sensory experience as a human in ways I would not have planned for myself. How did it feel to take those first steps? Terrifying and necessary. Question. Here is the central question of our discussion. What are your five ways to push past your comfort zone to grow both personally and professionally? Answer. One. Do something physically challenging, even if it's just a 30-minute trail hike that gets your heart rate uncomfortable. Go outside, get your cheeks ruddy, work up a sweat. You will be amazed at how simple physical exertion loosens up your mind and creativity and how good it feels. I have a chocolate Labrador who, in addition to being a menace to society, is a fantastic vehicle for this. In fact, I'm a huge proponent of the walking meeting. People who want to meet with me in person are usually invited on the trail with me and the dog who shall not be named. It produces dopamine and oxytocin from the brain, the happy drug and the bonding drug, as well as endorphins from the physical activity. Two, leave your home turf. Are you someone who constantly invites people into your space, your home for dinner, and consider yourself a good friend and generous and hospitable for doing so? Sure, okay. And consider that it's a form of comfort and control. Go into other people's spaces. Go to someone's tiny studio apartment and connect with them on their turf over a pot of spaghetti and cheap Chianti. In the work context, For your next team building outing, find an activity that you're all likely to suck at, like, I don't know, archery or portrait painting, rather than one that is comfortable for a particular demographic. I've seen too many companies plan off-site golf outings. Seriously? And I say that as a golfer with an index lower than most weekend golfing men, but who has played one too many pro-am tournaments as the only woman in the field. The golf outing is alienating, not team building. Three, get comfortable negotiating. Negotiation is a pervading zone of discomfort for a lot of people, especially women. It is often equated with conflict and viewed as some otherworldly and specialized skill best left to those with particularized training. This is utter nonsense and also the conceit of my book. If you're avoiding negotiation, you're dodging a skill that will actually create more comfort in your life. If you start practicing it in small, low-stakes, everyday ways. Did you know that women negotiate their compensation packages, most often termed as salary, but salary is just one aspect of total compensation, four times less often than men? Then there's a global wage penalty per each child born for women of 7%. The inverse wage reward per child for men is 6%. This difference is never made up over time. 
that can easily add up to half a million dollars over a career. Now think of how avoiding that discomfort zone is limiting family vacations, retirement fund contributions, and a bevy of other options. Start with small steps by asking at the checkout counter or in a live chat for an online purchase. Are there any other offers or discounts that apply to my purchase today? Rinse, repeat, track your results. Four, diversify your language and entertainment. Learn another language. You don't have to be fluent. I've learned seven languages to varying degrees of fluency and have used all of them in their native lands. I don't care about doing it badly. People can see that I'm trying. I'm able to get my point across. It builds rapport and demonstrates humility. Watch TV shows and movies that feature characters and storylines that are different from your personal experience. In 2021, I started watching Pose, and I'm not a trans person of color in the 1980s. It will open your eyes to the struggle, culture, and experience of people not like you. I also watch a lot of international movies. Five, don't immerse yourself exclusively in like-minded groups. Piggybacking on that last one, too much pride is taken in touting your group as one of like-minded people. What does that mean exactly? An echo chamber of others who always agree? How boring. Also, with that much reinforcement of confirmation bias, no wonder people are so polarized. Have conversations with people whose viewpoints don't agree with yours and without an agenda of persuading them to agree with you. Listen and be a curious kid instead of, excuse me, you think we're losing our traditional values in this country because of transgender athletes? I'm pretty sure nonconformity is a traditional value of our country. Maybe just hold on to that retort and instead ask, oh, what do you mean by traditional values? This exact example happened in my life, and that's the question I asked. And guess what? Turns out the speaker didn't know what she meant by traditional values. She was just parroting a buzz phrase she'd heard over and over again and hadn't applied any independent thought. Question. From your experience or perspective, what are some of the common barriers that keep someone from pushing out of their comfort zone? Answer, lack of necessity. The office temperature is perfect, what's the problem? Lack of curiosity. We pride ourselves on being a like-minded community. Lack of support or allyship. Really, a golf team building event? Ugh, but if I rock the boat, I will be punished. I'll say I tested positive for COVID and skip it. Question. There is a well-known quote attributed to Eleanor Roosevelt that says, do something that scares you every day. What exactly does this mean to you? Is there inherent value in doing something that pushes you out of your comfort zone, even if it does not relate to personal or professional growth? For example, if one is uncomfortable about walking alone at night, should they purposefully push themselves to do it, often for the sake of going beyond their comfort zone? Can you please explain what you mean? Answer. I think I've answered this question within my other answers, and I'm trying to be self-aware of unstrategic repetition. It gets back to ratio, and you've heard me talk about safety, psychological safety, and physical safety. 
One of the epiphanies I had in 2021 was that I had spent most of my career and life prioritizing fitting in and pleasing others over psychological safety. Why? Because being bullied and being taught to be helpful, to always give of myself, to go along to get along, and to never question authority was so familiar to me from childhood that I normalized being bullied as an adult in a professional context. Nothing to see here. This is normal. And it led me, even at age 50, into a situation that was both psychologically and physically unsafe because I refused to sit quietly in that chair in the corner. I was challenging a bigoted legacy structure that they were prepared to go to theatrical and illegal lengths to preserve. Getting out of your comfort zone is like taking vitamins. The right amount enhances your vitality. Too much is harmful. Recognize when it's time to retreat from the uncomfortable growth zone to a safe harbor. Question. You are a person of great influence. If you could inspire a movement that would bring the most amount of good to the most amount of people, what would that be? Answer. I think I'm already doing that with my UN women work and with my book. The theme is expanding equity and opportunity, particularly for those who have been left out. People talk a whole lot about empowerment, and that word irks me a little. It means someone hasn't arrived in their power. I'm here to say that many people already have power inside of them and don't need someone like me to empower them. They just need to tap into their existing power. That's not always the case. For example, women and girls in developing countries who are often the primary food providers for their communities and are disproportionately impacted by the climate crisis, who lack resources and do need empowerment from outside sources. The way we make progress is by doing what we can in our little pocket of the world on a daily basis, without seeking recognition or posting it on social media. If you're waiting for your big moment on a national or international stage to make a big impact, you're squandering opportunities all around you every day. The small stuff adds up. There's a 17-year-old woman I featured on my podcast who organized an inclusive dance program at her high school in San Francisco for students who had been omitted from traditional dance due to disabilities. She got a grant, recruited five students with disabilities, and hosted a final 15-minute dance performance that I attended. That's what I'm talking about. Even five people. She didn't say, only five? That's not worth the trouble. She is someone who understood that the status quo has left others out of discourse, decisions, and design. It's episode 11 called Negotiation is Danceable, if you want to listen to it. 20 minutes. And let us please remember that progress is not linear. Any parent knows this. If we were to graph progress on the y-axis and time on the x-axis, we don't end up with a nice and tidy 45-degree line we end up with something resembling an EKG with upticks, plateaus, and dips. We take steps forward in some areas and slide backwards in others. We keep at it, resisting the simplified fiction of inevitable progress unfolding to the present moment, or, even more annoying, the prepossessed assertion that nothing has ever changed. Question. Is there a person in the world whom you would love to have lunch with, and why? Maybe we can tag them and see what happens. 
answer. Funny that you had mentioned Eleanor Roosevelt earlier, because that's who would have leapt to mind. In 2022, I had the pleasure of spending an afternoon with her grandson and sailing on FDR's presidential yacht, the Potomac. In fact, that's the very setting where I was interviewed by NPR for my book. But you can't tag Eleanor, can you? As for someone current, I'm going with Meghan Markle. While that may not be an original choice, let's just say I think we'd have a lot to talk about and would enjoy, as Hemingway would put it, a true moment in time. We both don't mind ascending a hill, but have difficulty descending. I also think we could accomplish a few things together. Question, how can our readers follow you online? Answer, oh, I'm so on the internet, it's exhausting. Just Google me. I offer so many easy but transformative everyday super tips and original art by me in my splashy, stylish, best book on negotiation ever written for the forces of good, the superpower of everyday negotiation. It's not just for business. It's everybody's business. And you can find me on LinkedIn or pactumfactum.com. Question. Thank you for these fantastic insights. We wish you only continued success in your great work. Thanks for listening. Negotiation isn't just for business. It's everybody's business every day. And it can be your everyday superpower. Stick with me here. And you can find my best-selling book on Amazon, For the Forces of Good, The Superpower of Everyday Negotiation.